Now this week, I'm going to start a series um, called The Great Recovery. And um, we're going to be talking about finance a little bit over the next few weeks. Um, and sometimes we get a bit scared when someone says we're talking about finances because obviously we want money and it's not about that at all. Out in the community, I don't know if you've noticed it, <laughs> there's a real fear at the moment, um, whether it's genuine or not, but people are a little anxious about the economy, about things slowing down and these things happening and that thing happening. And while these things happen and people get so worried and caught up about it, as Christians, we're meant to have a very different mindset about these things. We're not to be ignorant, but we're also to consi- consider what God says. So if we look at Romans 12.2, do not... Don't copy the behaviour and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know what God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. As people of God, there's two things about our finances. There's the practical stuff that we do, but we also need to trust in God. And so what I'm hoping to do over the next few weeks is really talk into that space for us. Why I've called it the great recovery is that sometimes we made a mess of our finances. We've just destroyed them ourselves. By the way we act, our behaviour, sometimes we can't help it. There's just this act that's outside that takes hold of us that we've got no, no hope on. We, we, we can't change it, we can't do anything about it. But the Bible talks about finance a lot, a real lot. Jesus talked about money and his parables more than heaven and hell combined. You'll see that while his focus is not on money... The money theme goes through. If you read through Proverbs, there's so many verses on how you should handle your finances wisely, the way you should live with them. And sometimes I think as Christians, we're a little ignorant. We we really are. I mean, we're sort of like, oh, we'll just leave it up to God. But God's also given us instruction in the Bible. So leaving it up to God means I also have to do my part in terms of working out my finances. How, How do I look after them? How do I do it well? How do I look after what God has given me, which often is given in these terms, steward the things that God gave me? How do I look after them well? And so what I want to do this morning is just really talk about that and and set this series up a little bit. And maybe you're afraid today. I don't know. I don't know everyone's finances in here, who's doing well, who's not doing well. I don't know how much everyone gives or doesn't give to the church. I don't know how much they spend on food. I don't know how much they spend on um, alcohol. I don't know how much they spend on their car, their music, whatever it might be. But each one of us is being given something from God that we're to be responsible for. It's like with our children too. It's like we can't just say to God, oh, you gave me these kids and uh, you look after them. We've got to make an effort to teach and guide them in the ways of God. It's our job. And God would say back to us, hey, I gave them to you. And it's the same with, it, with our finances. If we, if we start from the perspective that God owns everything, that he is the source of every good and perfect thing in our life, then we've got to think, well, God gave this to me. But then I've got to work out how do I look after this? How do I steward it well? And the thing is, when we tie up our finances in ways that we shouldn't, when it's either not in faith or it's not in common sense or looking after our finance, it puts a lot of stress and pressure on our life, don't you think? 
Has anyone here ever been worried about money in their life? <laughs> yeah, a few people. <laughs> a few nods, a few hands up. I have. There's been times when I'm like, it just doesn't look like I've had enough. Now, I have had the advantage that I do believe in God and his provision for me, and God has always come through for us in every circumstance, even when it looked bad. But there are some things that we can do practically that can help insulate us from things that happen that can give us wisdom in how we use our finances and put us into a place where, like Paul said, that you will have more than enough to give to every good need. So when someone comes knocking on your door, oh, I've got a you know, Scouts ticket, no worries. Oh, can you give money? Uh, we, we need some people to sponsor kids. No worries, we've got a bit of spare cash. Someone gets sick, you've got cash. Whatever it might be, we can actually use our money sensibly. Because guess what? While God gives us some money, once he releases it to us, who does it belong to? It still belongs to him. <laughs> you thought I was going to say you. Well, it doesn't belong to you at all. If you're a Christian, if you've decided that you're a follower of Christ, it means that everything belongs to God. That means everything in your life has to come under his lordship, including your finance. And in fact, I would say it's probably one of the last things in a lot of people's life that comes under his lordship. Wouldn't you agree? Because we do tend to take ownership of money or things, or as the Bible might call it, mammon, that, that we think belong to us. The things of life, they're ours. But money is an amazing tool that we can use for either good, to bless, or not to bless. And what I want to do through this series, um, as we teach it, is to take away some fear that you have. The fear of lack, the fear of not having... We need to learn the spiritual side of it, which is to learn to be content with what we have. In other words, when we actually get to that place in our spiritual walk, we're not worried about lack or, or abundance. It really doesn't matter. We've settled our heart on Jesus Christ and we're following him. So we'll look at that side. We'll look at tithing. We will look at that. that that's something that maybe some of you might not even know what that term is because sometimes in church we, we just sort of sprout these things out. Yeah, everyone, we're going to give our tithes and our offerings today. And everyone's going, oh, yeah, tithes and offering. What the heck is tithe? Is that an old word from, you know, ages past that means giving or money or something? I think it's really important that we understand what it is and, and how it might relate to us in terms of giving. But we're also going to look at the practical side of things. Is there, is there things in our life that um, we can do to actually make sure that we're not in lack when we need something? And like I said, maybe today you're in a bit, of a, a bit afraid because your finances are in disarray. I think the first thing to think about today is that faith and finances are totally linked. So when we start to renew our mind in terms of finance, let's look at, at what Jesus said in Luke 12, 34. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. Just have a little think on that. Here's my heart. 
<laughs> it's a beautiful hearth, isn't it? <laughs> but I've attached some money to that. And do you know what? Wherever this goes, my heart goes. So I'm not actually going to release it over the crowd and press a button and all the cash flies everywhere and see what happens, but that would be sort of fun. <laughs> But isn't it, isn't it true how our heart follows what we invest into? So over here I might go, oh, you know, I'm going to buy some clothes. My heart goes to that if, if that's one of my things. And, and over here, you know, oh, that might be my, my giving. Over here it's the stock market. I've got all my money invested in the stock market. Guess who looks at stock market reports? Not people who don't have money in the stock market, Right? Because the treasure's there, if my money's there, then my heart goes towards that, what you're investing in. Now, the point of this isn't to tell you that you must give your money to something only, but just to, to get us thinking, is that true or not? If, if you look at the, uh, the shows that you see on TV, they always follow the money trail, don't they? Where's that money? And then they'll usually find out who gave it, and why but also it reveals the heart of the person that had the money in the first place or is getting the money this is why the internet knows you so well it knows where your heart is when you go shopping online that's why every time I jump on my computer things come up about buying dresses <laughs> no <laughs> Now, that's because other people use my computer that like to <laughs> shop online for dresses. So they got me wrong. They haven't got me pegged at all. But you might notice when you open up your computer to whatever it is, the things that you've been spending your money on, the advertisers know really well that you are going to probably spend more money in that area. Your heart's there. So if my heart is not for dresses, but I like fishing gear, and every time I get online I'm, I'm going fishing gear show me your fishing gear, the ads that come up and pop up on my screen are what? They're for fishing gear. Because they know that, that my heart is towards fishing and so therefore they're most likely to separate me from my hard-earned cash by showing me things that relate to fishing. Because that's what I'm likely to buy, right? They know where my heart is. And so it's so important when we think about our money, where are we actually investing it? What things in life? Of course there's, there's things that we need to do. There's just the, the needs in life where we spend our money. We need food. We need to send our kids to school. We need to clothe ourselves and, and things like that. And God says, don't be anxious about those things, but store up your treasure in heaven. Make sure that, that you actually have this place in your heart that, that you have for God. We're not looking at that today so much. But what I want you to think about is this. Where you spend your money determines where you spend your heart. That's your main focus. You are more passionate about those areas in life than anything else. Now, if your finances are upside down, in other words, if you're not earning enough to cover your bills, you're spending too much money. And a lot of your money might go to the credit card people, and it doesn't mean you love them. But guess what? You're invested in them. <laughs> because if you don't make your payments, you could lose something. Maybe even if you've got enough finance debt, you could lose your car, 
your house, whatever it might be, if you, you overcommit to those things. So your heart, in, in terms of I don't love them, but your heart is invested in that company because every month you get a bill and it has a little bit of extra on it called interest. Even that word, doesn't it? I'm interested in them. <laughs> it's there. But your treasure and your heart are inexplicably linked. One leads to the other, but not the other way around. So your financial management is a faith issue. People love to separate it. I'm pretty sure someone just walked out before because we're talking about money. It's offensive to people if they don't understand it well. And I've got to just say right now, release you from anything. You never have to give anything to this church. It's not my business. If you do or not, is nothing to me. But it is something to God, and it really, really is. And if we don't teach through these things, we can walk through our Christian life living the wrong way, having the wrong heart, not listening to what God says. And the other thing it isn't is a guilt trip. As I said, it's nothing to do with me. It's your relationship with God. And sometimes, because we have got our finances in a mess, we haven't been taught properly on money as Christians because we think we're not allowed to talk about it, then we end up in trouble. If you're young here today, if you're, if you're a teenager or early 20s, listen very carefully because this will help you for the rest of your life. How do I know? Because I've made some funny, stupid mistakes with money in the past and guess what? It hurt me. And if I'd done something different practically, I could have done it. Do you want to set yourself up so that you've got money for your family, you've got money for emergencies, you've got money to give to good things? If you want to do that, this is an important series for you to come to and listen to, especially while you're young, and get things in order. And honestly, it is taboo to talk about it. And it is because we feel guilt. And sometimes it's because our heart is actually hardened towards God and exactly as it is, they're trying to take my money. It's my money and our fists are closed like this around it. But that's not what it's about. And the first thing I want to talk about today is know where you are in regards to money. Because we want to make informed decisions, don't we? about what we're doing. We want to make sure we understand the consequences of things. We don't want to just go through life um, making the best guess about things. And that's honestly what happens sometimes, isn't it? We just make our best guess. Maybe we can do this or maybe if I, do, if I spend the money now, it's okay and I'll spend it now, I'll enjoy it now, but I'll pay for it later. What we want to do is just know where we are, all right? So he here it is. There's a huge difference. If we don't take stock of where we are, um, let's do a little bit of a show of hands. How many people know what's in their bank account right now? Pretty good, most people. Is that because you know it's always at zero? <laughs> 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 it's been like that for me before. It's like, it's either zero or minus 10. <laughs> Um, but we need to understand where we are in reality because when we make decisions to purchase, buy, sell, whatever it might be, if we don't make them on reality, we can do the wrong thing. Reality means that sometimes you might have to work harder 
and work more jobs because of your financial situation. Not just believe your way out of it, hoping that, that somehow God will drop money on your head, but if we look through Proverbs, it talks about that. It, it talks about the lazy man rolling around in his bed and saying, you know, oh, I can't go outside today, there's a lion in the street. You know, I, I just can't get up and work. At one stage in our life, me and Joe were working six jobs. Crazy, right? But we needed to at the time because that's the way we had to make ends meet. I was working five. No, she was. <laughs> that wasn't true. Not true at all. There was a <laughs> there was a load on us. Because of where we were, we weren't whinging, we weren't complaining, but it was something that we had to do. And you know the best thing is that God provided for us in that time the exact amount of money that we needed. I'd changed jobs and had a big pay cut. I'm, I'm talking 50% difference. Pretty big. And so I had to pick up other jobs. And it just so happens that a payment that we had every month, the job that I got was perfect it was after hours and it was exactly i mean exactly the right amount to cover that cost because god's faithful but i had to work he provided something for me at that time but i still had to work i couldn't just sit down and and just hope that it would be all right because i, I guarantee it wouldn't have been and sometimes those sacrifices are needed but that's through knowing where you are in life so let's have a look at proverbs 27 verse 23 to 27 Know the state of your flocks and put your heart into caring for your herds for riches don't last forever and the crown might be passed, not be passed to the next generation. After the hay is harvested and the new crop appears and the mountain grasses are gathered in, your sheep will provide wool for clothing and your goats will provide the price of a field and you'll have enough goats, milk for yourself, your family and your servant girls. What's this got to do with us? Who's got sheep? Anyone? Flocks of geese, maybe? There's magpie geese around the rural area at the moment. <laughs> Some of you got them. But what is this saying to us? It's saying, know how your finances are going. Be aware of what's happening. Understand what's happening in the world around you as well. But it's also talking about the future generation, right? And it's talking about that from your hard work there's a harvest and then you get a new crop after that. In other words, it's not meant to be just one crop and that's it for your life because then out of that you're going to get wool for clothing. So from your hard work you're going to get money for sending your kids to school. You're going to get money to buy a house. You're going to get money for food and all those sorts of things and also you'll be able to buy a field and so you can produce more. In other words, you'll learn how to invest. But then the last bit there is really interesting, isn't it? Even for us as Christians, it's not just for us. There's an abundance that is there so that when we walk in faith and walk in wisdom, we can actually provide for other people. In other words, the generous heart can be birthed inside of us because we have enough to give. And what does it say? It says, put your heart into caring for it. Another version says, consider carefully. 
In other words, we've got to make sure that this isn't just a flippant thing. Oh, I think I've got the money. I, I might have, I might not. But we actually make sure that, that we are actually thinking carefully about the things we buy and purchase. And I tell you right now, you need to understand that. Me and Joe went to buy a computer the other week. And um, we had this certain amount of money in mind. And so we went into a shop and we asked for this computer. And the price on it said 3000 and something or something like that. And we're like, yeah, that, that's right. That's within our what we've set aside. And then um, we went in and then they're like, oh, but you need to buy this and this and this and this and this and this and this. And all of a sudden it was like 4600 bucks, And we're like, that's unacceptable. And it's sort of like, you know, you'd go into a car yard and say, can I buy that car? And they say, yeah, no worries, it's only $2,000. But if you want the engine, you have to go to pay another 10000 you know. It's like, that's what it felt like. It felt like there's always this extra, extra, extra. And if you're not careful, you can be really swayed to go beyond your means, what you have, and go beyond your budget. And it's very tempting because you need it for a start and you want to go further. But anyway... Part of that was a program to do with um, Microsoft Word and, and some other accessories which we could say no to. But it's funny, we went to another shop to compare prices. They weren't very helpful, so we just left and, um, and went back. And we were pretty strict because they, they were trying to sell us something else too, a lease option. And it sounded good, you know, at the end of it, you, only pay, you actually pay $5 less for it than you would if you had it whole. And I said, okay, so that's over two years. Yeah, over two years. So we go in over two years, but then at the end of that year, I said, so can we just keep that computer and not trade it in? Oh, yeah, you can, but then you have to pay another year on the lease. I'm like, so I have to actually pay half again for the computer to keep it? Yeah, yeah, or you get a new one. But if you don't trade it in and you want to keep it, you've got to pay that extra. They're tricky. <laughs> They're tricky with how they do things. And so we, we didn't want to do that finance at all, like, or lease it. So we bought it another way. And it's like... But if you're not careful, if you don't ask the right questions, if you're not aware of the state of things, if you don't dig in a little deeper sometimes, you are going to get totally ripped off in life. You need to be careful. You need to know the state of your flocks. That's what we're, we're looking at here. Give careful attention to it. And why do we do that? Riches don't last forever. They really don't. Like, I love Ecclesiastes. He talks about how he's worked all his life and all that happens is he's gathered all this wealth and he dies and someone else gets it, which is true. But a wise Christian will also leave an inheritance for their children's children. That should be part of what we aspire to, is to say, you know what? I don't want us to be foolish just because we're Christians doesn't mean that finance doesn't matter. Do you know ministry takes money? To finance the kingdom of God and the works of the kingdom take money. It's something that God has given us to use for his glory here on earth or not. As I said, you know, you'll get a lot of people that say, why do you give all your money to your church? You know, and then they walk down the pub and spend, you know, $300 on alcohol. Why do you give all your money to the church? Now, God wants us to enjoy 
our money as well. It's not all about not having, it's about expanding and becoming generous and actually growing in finance. But the biggest thing is that generous heart. It's not about even becoming rich. Even tithing's not really about anything like that. When you, you might have heard messages, you know, you give this much and you'll get that much back, like it's this magic book that you, you know, you colour in with the texture and the right colours come up and, and you have whatever you want. So in other words, I'm investing to get money back. It's not even about that. It's the prospering in life all up which helps you be generous as a person and helps you be careful about these things. And so I give that illustration, you know, like I said, people say, why do you give your money to church? You have to give 10%. Well, actually, like I said, you don't have to do nothing. It's up to you and God. If you think it's obedient to give nothing, give nothing. If you feel that God's saying, give this much, give this much. If you're like believing that, yes, you should tithe, you should tithe because it's all still done in faith, isn't it? Anything without faith is a dead work. So if I'm tithing, but I'm not believing God or, or doing it out of faith, it's still dead. There's a promise attached to it, but it's dead. It's a work. If I do it because I have to, it's dead. It brings no blessing to me. It brings no blessing to God. And it brings no blessing to you. It's dead. Because all it does is breed bitterness and anger and accusation if we're not careful. And so this morning... It's about us telling our money what to do. It's us telling our money what to do, not letting our money determine what we can do. And one of the things I love about being a Christian is we can have faith beyond, that God would do something extra to what we would think, do above abundantly beyond what we think. And so knowing where our money is is good, but also we need to learn this word, plan. Now, I say plan because budget sounds so hard to everyone, doesn't it? It's like the word diet. As soon as you say the word diet, you just want to eat more, right? <laughs> that's, that's me. We're on a diet. Okay, well, this is my last supper. <laughs> but it's, a, it's like that with our money. It, it is always better to, to plan. What am I going to do with my money? I didn't really budget much when I was younger, but now I'm glad that we do budget. Where we tell our money where to go, this is the important things in our life. We direct it. We put our finance where we want our treasure to be. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. In other words, if I'm very careful about it, not making foolish, quick decisions... I can get profit. But if I'm quick in what I do, like, say with that computer story with me and Joe, oh, okay, let's sign up. It sounds really good. I'm going to buy it for $5 less, but I'm actually paying another $2,000 for the same thing. The haste of signing up will cost you. Nobody who budget, nobody who budgets does that budget lead them to poverty, to having lack? Any person who budgets, who plans well with their money, never ends up in lack. Might be tight, but they know where their money is, they know where it's going. And, 
At one stage in America, about three years ago, the average person was spending 8% more each year than they earn. That's got to hurt, right? And I've got no doubt that's the same with some maybe here, even this morning. You're always spending more than you earn. You just grab the credit card and, and then get the next application because you're desperate and you don't want to work your way out of it. Maybe that's you, I don't know. Maybe you're one of those people that's being really blessed in life or lucky in life and honestly, some finance is just dumb luck. I filled out the right numbers on Tats Lotto. Someone came and bought my land because it had oil on it, I didn't even know. But most people succeed in life because they make a plan and they move forward with it, but they're not rushed in trying to get. In other words, the, the, um, there's no rush for instant gratification. There's a preparedness to wait. So just quickly, with, with a budget or a plan for your life, have a look at where you're spending your money now. So the first part, know the state of your flocks. Where is your money going now? You will be surprised. Honestly, I could easily spend 60 bucks on coffees a week. But what if I don't have the money for that? I don't need that much coffee. And I've got a bill and a debt that keeps snowballing and I'm having coffee instead. And, and sometimes it is like that, isn't it? Have you ever felt that? You just feel depressed because you owe money so you go and spend more? It's crazy, right? <laughs> ever done that? I have. You're, de- you're depressed. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Anyway, thoughts that can stay in my head. <laughs> know where you are and then start to work from there. And if things are tight, if things are bad in your life, make sure you do that because that gives you a plan to work out of it. Remember Kathleen came up last time, Matt did a, did a talk on money and, and stuff and she was just saying how she had big debt but she's worked her way out of it. And then she could start to give, which was something that was in her heart, that her heart was aching to do for so long, but it freed her up to give. And she gave in faith this amount. And then she's been able to increase it because that's where her heart was. But it took her a lot of hard work, working two jobs, getting out of that debt. But the point is that as long as you stay in it, you're a slave to it. There's just no, no two ways about it. If you don't have a budget, maybe you don't need one because you've got so much money, good luck to you. You know, there are some people like that. But that's not everyone. And when I heard Kathleen's story when she told me, I was just like, that is awesome, Kathleen. That's why she shared it because it's just an example of hard work sometimes paying off. We, We can either stay where we are or we can start to plan our way out. Um, that old saying, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. You're not making good, wise decisions. If you want, maybe you want a budget sheet. If you've never seen one before, you can email the, the contact at CCFNT, which is on the newsletter, or come and see me. We'll, 
send one out or maybe we can team you up with someone who does budget and you can go and chat with them. But if you are in crisis financially, can I just encourage you with this? Christ is the rock. And if you trust in him and put your trust in him, you will not fail. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, we thank you that you never leave us or fail us. And Lord, I just want to pray that, you know, through this series, some things will hit us hard. There's no doubt about that. But Lord, we want it to be you and your spirit leading us and guiding us. Help us open up our hearts to that today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, perhaps you haven't become a Christian yet and you're like, well, how can a talk on money make anyone want to become a Christian? (laughs) What I'd like to say to you is the first thing, the most important thing in your life is your heart. If you haven't given that to God, your heart's invested in the wrong place. There's only one way, the Bible says, for salvation. In other words, to get back to God and that's through Jesus Christ. There's no other name on earth. There's not, it's not Buddha. It's, it's not Muhammad. It's Jesus Christ. He is the way. This morning, perhaps you've been sitting here listening or listening to the music and you've felt something stirring on the inside of you. Maybe that's you this morning. And you're like, I don't know what this is. I just feel a little bit empty. I feel like I need something in my life. That is the Holy Spirit talking to you and Father God drawing you back to himself. And so what I'm going to do is just pray a prayer. You can pray with me. And I'd love you to just talk to your friend and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Or just keep coming to church or fill out. There's a card that might be in your seat. You can just tick a box on the back with your name on the front and put it on the, there's no basket there, but on the table over there. And someone will give you a call. And say, hey, you prayed that prayer with the pastor the other day. I'd love to just talk with you about your salvation. If that's you this morning, you've got this emptiness, this ache, that is God knocking on your heart. And the Bible says, if you answer, he will come on in. So this morning as I pray, if that's you, just pray with me and invite him into your life. Father God, I just want to thank you that you love us. Right now, I know I need you. I'm just asking that you come into my life and forgive me of all my sin. Lord, I just want to follow you. From this day on, I want this emptiness that's inside me to be gone. Come into my life now, I pray. In Jesus' name, from today and from now on, I just want to follow you. And I thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for me. Come into my life now. Amen. As usual, front's open for prayer for anything, guys.